0: I want to thank you for his kindness and his big heart of love, uh, which he has shown to so many of us in this church, um, including to me. (coughs) Father, I want to thank you for Ricky's heart for you. I want to thank you for his heart for your word, his passion for your word, his hunger uh, to listen attentively to everything that you say through your word and by your spirit. And to be ready to obey Um, father thank you that he's willing to get up here over the next four Sundays even though it's not his favorite thing in the world because he wants to be obedient to what you've asked him to do and so I want to pray for Ricky would you with this experience of um, sharing what's on his heart be really encouraging for him I pray that you would bless him abundantly this month uh, as he shares these things I want to pray that he would feel that fire burning in his belly, burning in his heart, burning in his bones. But I also want to pray, would you give him real wisdom as he shares it with us? Give him clarity, give him simplicity. Um, Father, give him great freedom to share with us what you've put on his heart. Um, And Father, I pray for us as we listen. um, Would you help us especially... Uh, today especially this month to be leaning in to be wide awake to be expectant that we're going to hear a living word from a living God and I pray that it would bear a lot of fruit in our lives would you come and refresh our lives and renew our lives and transform us as we listen to your word Um, and so we pray for Ricky bless him as he shares uh, bless us as we listen, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank
1: you. Thank you. <laughs> you give me that sort of build up and then you're like, what's coming here? Who knows? Um, I just set my timer here to make sure. I have a I have a propensity that I could talk and talk and talk, so I want to make sure that I honour the time in all of this. Um, I... Yeah, I, I'm not a preacher or a teacher. I am simply um, a beggar who has found some bread. I want to pass that on to you and let you feast from it and to keep coming back to it over the next few weeks. I would encourage you to get, get into this book yourself over the coming weeks. Um, the Book of Jeremiah, it's a beautiful book. Um, I've come to love it in the last few years. It's been uh, something, it's a book that God brought to my attention back in 2017, and I feel like I've been camped out in it back and forth for the last seven years in a way that God's really spoke to me through, and I just want to share that with you. Now, I can't do seven years of stuff in four Sunday mornings. All I want to do is just to whet your appetite, just give you a little bit of a taster for this. But you know where the real power on this is? Is when you get into His Word. And then we pray, Holy Spirit, would you highlight what you want to speak to me about? And where the spirit and the truth meets, that's the place of the miraculous. And that is what I am praying for, for each and every one of us in all of this. Um, Jeremiah is a book that is not most people's favorite book. Um, You may have verses of scripture from Jeremiah that may be a favorite of yours they're on our walls, or they may be a bumper sticker on our car or whatever. So you have Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven, the big famous one, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Um, and we'll be looking at that later in the series. Jeremiah 29, 7 says that we're called to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city of which I have carried you to into exile. And many of us use that as a, um, as a verse to hold on to as we prayer walk the streets of our town and the streets of our area. Um, and then Jeremiah 33:3, call on to me and I will answer you and give you, show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. These are verses that we hold on to. These are verses we may have hanging in our, uh, in our walls, in our homes. They may be on a little um, app on our phone or a little uh, wallpaper on our phone verses that we hold on to, but the book itself of Jeremiah, it is a long book. It is a difficult book to try and understand. We're not going to go through all of it. And the reason that most people um, stay clear from getting into it, or most preachers will stay clear of it, is because it can be quite a depressing read. It can be quite a doom and gloom read in it all. And suffice to say... (laughs) I don't find that, and I want to show you a little bit of that in the next few weeks that will entice you to get into it. You see, what happens is, I find that as we read it, and uh, as you read it, this may happen to you, it's easy to get caught up where the warnings of God are at. This calling out of sin and the punishment for disobedience. And we leave it at that. We see God as some distant, vengeful God who, because we haven't done, or the people of Israel haven't done particularness, what they were told, then punishment is on the way. That is not the way we are to read Scripture. We're to hold the truth of Scripture with the grace and the love and the compassion of God hand in hand. That's why we have this. You know, it's not just some instruction booklet. It is meant to get us into the heart of God, to know him, and then to make him known, but to know his heart, to know his character, to know who he is. And I want to encourage you to see that as you read this, you will see that these pages in the book of Jeremiah are filled with tears and heart cry. They are filled with the brokenheartedness of a God who communicates how he feels about his bride's adultery that's what scripture has been about God trying to find a faithful bride for his son Jesus at this stage the people of God have adulterated themselves out and God is simply saying come back into relationship with me I love you I long to have relationship with you is a book that is filled with the heart cry of God saying, no, 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 this is not who you were meant to be. This is not who I created you to be. You were created to walk hand in hand with me in the evening shade. It's what we see before the fall, this beautiful picture of relationship. And then his pursuit of us. Um... I didn't know Tim was going to give the announcement about Chris Wright speaking. Chris is a really good theologian. He's from Northern Ireland. He um, heads up the Langham Trust. And I would encourage you, I want to have a seat to go and hear him um, in February. This is what Christopher Wright says in his commentary around Jeremiah. He says, yes, there are sharp accusation. It is filled with severe warning and chilling threat. But these are embedded in a passionate <coughs> lament That pours out the pain of God. And I encourage you to read it. And ask God to show you his heart. To reach a people who are broken and lost. And for them, like that verse we read in Isaiah earlier on. That they might seek and return to the Lord whilst there is still time. And hey, that is still his heart's cry. So if you're here today, I just want to say to you, if you don't know Jesus... If you would long to know this Jesus, then come and talk to some of us afterwards. Chat to someone beside you, or there'll be some people here who would long to pray with you. He is still given us time. There is still an opportune moment. We live in a Kairos time. That's why this series, I've said this is a Kairos moment. <coughs> One thing I want to say before we get into this, and... and I hadn't this in initially, but I felt it was important after what Liz had shared last week about comparing ourselves to others. Um, we only have this book because of someone whose name you probably won't have heard of before. His name is Baruch. And Baruch, you'll read of him later in Jeremiah if you read through it. And he is basically, the, the, he writes down everything that Jeremiah dictates to him. That's all we ever hear about him. He's a background character, doesn't do you in the eyes of the world great things for the Lord and yet we would not have this if it hadn't been for Baruch. The world is crying out for more Baruch's who are not longing to be up front and central but will just get on with loving people well and enabling the heart of God to be communicated. You may think that all you do is the AV or the sound. You may think that all you do is make coffee or prepare the communion cups. You may think that all you do is set out seats or tidy up afterwards. (laughs) God sees you. And what you do is you play a part in helping others to hear the heart of God. So we all play our part in that. We all have a part to play the world just needs more brooks. That's we wee a bonus for you and all of that. So let's get into this journey. I want to start in Jeremiah chapter 1. I, I would encourage you to bring a Bible with you each week. Honestly, it's like this, this is the big steak dinner that's been set before us. And do you just want to watch me eat it and then give you what I think about it? Or do you want to eat it yourself? I would encourage you to bring it with you or turn it on on your phone if that's what suits you. So Jeremiah chapter 1, I want to just read the first three parts of this. We're going to look at the start. We need to get the context before we get the message. This is the call of Jeremiah, or this is um, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Jeremiah, son of of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anatoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, and throughout the reign of Jehoiakim son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. So in the middle of all of that, what you see is we. this book begins in the reign of someone called Josiah. Now, you'll see that he is someone who I tend to like as well, and we have a son that's named in honor of him because he's such a He's such a beautiful character, but I need to give you the context of the world uh, where it's at at this time, because this gives you the context of where the message is coming into. I think you'll find it very relevant to where we're at today in this world. So Jeremiah and Josiah—they're round about the same age, born round about the same time, under the reign of Josiah's grandfather Manasseh. And if you know anything about scripture, you'll know he was uh, not a very good king at all. He was a wicked king. For most of his life, he reversed the reforms of his father, Hezekiah. He reestablished pagan shrines because he wanted to appease the Assyrians that were um, trying to uh, occupy their land. And he encouraged this thing called polytheistic worship. What that meant was, it doesn't matter who you worship, just worship whoever. doesn't matter about God. You worship whoever you uh, you want to worship, and that's all right. And so you're able to worship Baal. You're able to worship Asherah. You're even able to worship under his reign, Moloch, who was um, someone who practiced child sacrifice. So they were born during this then. They grew up under the reign of Ammon, who is Manasseh's son. And this is Josiah's father. This is important because he didn't, Changed things. He just kept going the same way. He pretty much did the same thing. It says in 2 Kings that he forsook the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and did not walk in obedience to him. 2 Chronicles says he didn't humble himself like Manasseh eventually did. In fact, Ammon just increased his guilt. What we see is this furtherance, this increase in wickedness. What one generation had tolerated, the next had normalized or embraced, as John Wesley would say. Really, the whole nation at this time was what's known as an apostate people. They were filled, it was a a nation filled with immorality, idolatry, and injustice. (laughs) Starting to sound a little bit familiar to our society today. If not just from that, then listen to this and still tell me that we live in unprecedented times. (laughs) Corruption was normal Broken marriages were normal. Child sacrifice was normal. Syncretism, this many gods and this mixing of beliefs, normal. There was political instability. Everywhere you looked, there was wars and rumors of wars. And there was a great division among the people. The people were constantly arguing with each other. And this had filtrated even into the church. Now, tell me, read The newspapers, listen to the stories of today. Look around you. Does it not sound incredibly similar? And so I challenge you again, who says we're living in unprecedented times, eh? But here is where hope enters. Because you see, the God that we follow, the God that we worship, he can never abandon his people. He will not break his covenant promise to be there for them, and to be their God, and so what he does is he raises up where we are at at the start of this book, a young man called Josiah and another young man called Jeremiah, and Josiah, he was the absolute opposite of his father and grandfather. In fact, it says that he turned to the Lord with all his heart. How I long for our kids to lead the way with us, <laughs> that they would turn to the Lord with all their heart and be an example for us and i encourage you to pray that for our kids josiah was eight years of age when he came to the throne a young boy and as he grew up in his life he was focusing on one thing reforming the worship of that nation let's get rid of these other gods there is one true god and so let's focus on how we rebuild the temple and reform the temple it was a, an outer reformation. All of the structures, all of the programs, all of the worship of the nation, he said, we're going to reform this. And it was a valiant effort, but he needed someone alongside him, Jeremiah. Why? Because Jeremiah knew that outer reformation, fixing what's on the outside, working what's on the outside, only takes us a certain in the direction that we're meant to go. What it really requires is an inner revival, a revival of our hearts, a restoration of him as our first love. And we're going to get there. So who is this young boy, Jeremiah? Let's read about him. The call of Jeremiah. This is from verse 4, and we're going to read down to verse 10. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you to. And do not be afraid of them. For I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord reached out his hand and he touched my mouth and he said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. I'm going to stop there for a moment. You see, Jeremiah, this is a, This is a little piece of artwork. I'm following John Mark's footsteps here, appreciating some artwork, even though it's not my natural thing. This is in the Sistine Chapel. and It's Michelangelo's painting of Jeremiah. Now, why I don't like it is, it shows him as an old man, and he was a young man. Now, whatever. He's got poetic license for all of that. But what I want to get is the heart of this. Do you see his heart? He's downtrodden. He's known as the weeping prophet. This Young man that's that's been called by God had such a heart for God that literally, do you remember I talked to you about this last year, his heart and God's were merged together. It's like they were one. Why do I believe that? Well, go and read the other book that is Jeremiah's Lamentations. It's his lament. It's his grief over Jerusalem and their walking away from the Lord. Who does that remind us of? Someone else whose name started with a J centuries later before he went to the cross wept over Jerusalem Jeremiah had the same heart as our Lord so it's no accident that he is chosen in this moment and it's no accident that he has been created Jeremiah was created on purpose for a purpose this was not a mistake verse 5 tells us he was formed in the womb God knew him or some translations say, "Choose him. I love where it says, I knew you. You was set apart and he was appointed. Appointed as what? A prophet to the nations. He was to be God's messenger. He was to um, show and tell. He was to speak the words of Lord, the Lord and to live that out. You know how intricately that the Lord planned this? You see, whenever he says, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant, Jeremiah's name even means that very thing. God will exalt and God will overthrow. These opposites, these paradoxical things, his name, he was created on purpose for this. And I love the fact that this was before even he was born. Scratch that, like before he was formed, before he was a glint in his daddy's eye. The Lord said, I know you. I'm going to form you for a reason. It's thought-provoking, isn't it, in today's world where we're so flippant around unborn life. What I do want to say in this to, to show the Lord's heart, you see, we think it's all about us taking an interest in him. Us no, not. Even before you were formed, Even before you were born, he was interested in you. He loved you. That's how long he has been chasing after you with his loving heart. And you are here, alive, for such a time as this, on purpose, with a purpose. Now this is a big challenge for Jeremiah in all of this. And his response in it is, Lord... I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. Do you want to know why he says that? Because he's only a teenager. He's only a teenager. Josiah's around 21 at this time. Most scholars would reckon Jeremiah was about uh, 17. Somewhere between 13 and 17. He was a teenager. I want to speak to our teenagers for a moment in this. We'll talk to the rest of us in a moment, but it's why I wanted these young people that we are blessed with to be in the room today. Imagine being given this sort of responsibility. How would you feel if God asked you to go and start preaching and calling out us, the religious leaders, or the other leaders in the town of different churches, or if he asked you to go to Stormont or over to the council offices and start calling people back to the Lord? Or if he asked you to go out to the town hall and begin to preach God's word, how would that make you feel? I know what I would have felt like as a teenager, I'd be similar to Jeremiah. I can't do that, I'm way too young for that, Lord. Now, I'm not saying God is going to ask you to do those things. I just want you to think about that for a moment. Some of you may be called to that. But let me make it more applicable for you. And in in your situations, you live in a world where if you decide to follow Jesus, you will get increasingly mocked and ridiculed. And I get it. It's not easy as you are a teenager trying to work out who you are and where you fit in this world to start on the back foot of being one of those people who've decided to follow Jesus. Can I encourage you to always be mindful that you have a God who created you for a relationship with him that supersedes everything else that the world will tell you you are. You live in a world where you are increasingly pressurized to make decisions in relationships. Who do I date? Do we take that next step in our relationship? Why not everyone else is? I don't want to be the odd one out. I want to remind you again, you have a relationship that is there for you that supersedes any relationship this world can offer you. Please be mindful of that. And you live in a world where there is an overwhelming narrative that you are the master of your own fate. You decide what you want. You decide to be who makes you happy, to be who you want to be. It's totally at odds totally at odds with this loving saviour who came down and gave up his will and his desires and his way to follow the father's instructions. And he's calling you into that in the basis of relationship. And I long for you, I long for you to lead the way upwards to us in that. To show us what it means to be a genuine representation of God's heart To challenge us to reform our ways and to see revival in our hearts. Do you want to know why I'm confident of challenging you with this? Because that promise that the Lord gives to Jeremiah here, I am with you. Do not be afraid. It's still the same today. It's still as powerful as it was back then. And so I want to encourage you Like Tozier encourages us, A.W. Tozier, be consciously aware of his presence in your everyday. It took me far too long in my life to get that. I'm still getting it. Nothing matters more than him and his presence in your everyday. And you guys can lead the way, just like Jeremiah and Josiah. But I want to challenge the rest of us in this as well, because no matter our age, God has created us on purpose for a purpose. And he might be inviting you into something this year. Whatever that looks like. I'm not just talking about serving in church. I mean whatever that looks like for you to live in relationship with him. And you might be like Jeremiah saying, I'm not sure about that. Like, I'm too old. I've already played my part already. I'm only a housewife. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the time. I don't have the skills or the training. I've been hurt before in church. I can't do that. They're excuses. That's all they are. I'm not trying to minimize the pain and all of this. What I will say to you is, you know what supersedes everything in that? We'll bring healing and will bring the fruit in all of this. He is with you. I'm not going to tell you you're worthy enough for it. He is. And he's saying, I will bring you through this. I am the one who will rescue you. And so maybe this year we can be turning our faces towards him and being more aware of his presence with us in our every day. I don't want you to miss the promise in that as well, that I will rescue you because... Who is God saying this about? He says in verse 19 of chapter 1, They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you, and I will rescue you. Who is he speaking about? Well, in the verse before, it's who Jeremiah has to talk to, the kings of Judah, his officials, his priests, the people of the land. Spoiler alert, they all turn on him. Go and read chapter 22 and see how he calls out the kings and the officials in the land. Go and read chapter 23 when he calls out the priests and the prophets. He calls out the shepherds for not bestowing care on the flock. He calls out the prophets for lying. He says, don't listen to them. They'll only fill you with false hope. And remember, he is from a priestly family, which means he's calling out his own father in this. So is it any wonder, chapter 12, I think it is, that his family... Turn them away. They reject them. And then he's calling out the people in the land. So it's not just those in power, it's not just those in the in the church and the religious structures. He's constantly calling out the people in the land for their sin. He's calling them back to return to the Lord, to give up the things that they love so much to follow him. And he's seen as some sort of political traitor or appeaser to the Babylonians who you'll read are trying to invade the country. What does he say? Don't fight. You're not going to succeed. And one thing about the people of Israel, they were highly patriotic people. So this offended them so much. He defended the kings, he defended the religious leaders, he defended the people. So much that they arrested him, they beat him, they placed him in stocks, and they tortured him. This was going to be a lonely life for this young man. And if that wasn't bad enough, chapter 16, God says, you're not going to marry either. I am everything for you. And and Jeremiah held on to this all of his life. I will not be afraid for you are with me and you will rescue me. Even, go and read his complaint, I think it's in chapter 20, where he says uh, that he can't stop. He says, whenever I speak out, Lord, this is him talking to the Lord, whenever I speak out, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his name or speak any more his name, his word is like a His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. He was completely compelled by the love of God. It didn't matter what was happening around him. He knew he had to call people back to the Lord, to fixing their, their gaze on him, to restoring him as their first love. Eugene Peterson says in his book, I, I love this. And this is something for us to be mindful of as we are called to be messengers, to be a prophetic voice into this nation. A prophet is obsessed with God. The work of a prophet is to call people to live well, to live rightly, to be human. But it is more than a call to just say something. It is a call to live out the message. And as you read Jeremiah, you will see this guy lived it out. Why? Why? because he was completely obsessed with God. He was devoted to God. He was infatuated. The love of God had grasped him in a way that he was everything to him. And so I want to end this with this line to go into this week. I want to challenge us with this as we go into this week. So everything's set. We've got where the context is. We know who this young man is and we know the Lord's promised to be with him. And so he starts to communicate the message. And what is the first thing in chapter 2? The Lord says to him to tell the people, I remember the devotion of your youth. It's in a past tense. I remember. You can hear the Lord's voice. I remember your devotion And we're going to look at that more in detail next week. But why is this so important? Because only through devotion to him do we see heart change. And only through heart change do we see transformation. And only through our transformation do we begin to see the ripple effect of that around us and into our communities and into our nation. God is speaking through this person who loves him so much To see the overflow of his heart call a people back to him. It's what he requires. It's why he says, have no other gods before me. It's why he says, love the Lord with all your heart. It's why he says when he's redeeming Peter back into friendship with him. He says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Why? Because it's the only thing that matters. That's it. If you forget everything else I've talked about, this is all that matters is your love for him. So I want to leave us with a challenge as we go into this week. For us here individually, for us as a church, but I want to speak to us as the church in this nation. See, we think we are the last bastion of the gospel. We are holding on to everything here. And nobody's going to turn our wee country We love to work on all the outward things. We love church. It's a good thing, yes. We love his word. That's a good thing, yes. We love to preach and to declare it. We love our missions. We love everything around the religious structures. And we desire for our country to live by God's law. They are all good things. Let me tell you something this morning. They are not the main thing. They're not. The main thing. I just want to ask us a question. Are we a people who can say we are devoted to the Lord? I don't know about you, but I feel like I have some way to go on that. I want to challenge us, what does it mean this year that by the end of this year we can look back as a church family and say, I love the Lord more than I did at the start of the year. We as a church, we are completely devoted to him in a way that we weren't at the, begin, at the beginning of the year. This is a kairos moment where the Lord is still calling us back to love him. With all of our hearts. I think he's been trying to get our attention with something. In the last few years, as the church, the alarms have been going off and we haven't taken notice. This is why I say this is a Kairos moment as we come to this. I think we missed something going back a few years ago. Do you remember? In that first lockdown, everything that happened, there were prayer gatherings happening everywhere. People were coming together, they were singing, they were worshipping. The song, the blessing was released and suddenly it was all around the world and it was resonating in people's hearts. There was a sense of unity. Everywhere you looked, there were teachers offering this free teaching to everyone online. What was happening? Our eyes were being fixed on him. And then we get to that May, and that June. Look, I'm as bad as everyone in all of this, so I'm I'm talking to myself in all of this as much as anyone else. But as soon as we got a little glimmer of hope that things would open up again, what happened? The prayer gathering stopped. We rushed back to everything as it was because we wanted the comfort. Why? Because we wanted to be the solution, not him. (laughs) We became the answer. We fixed our eyes on the problems and on ourselves and we said, we can work our way out of this. We missed the invitation to just be. Be still and know that he is God. Why do I believe that? I'll leave you with this word. (laughs) This is a word that I felt really challenged by. Deeply challenged by. And it links in with this. This is in Revelation 2. Where the angel of the church is speaking to the church in Ephesus. I'm just going to read this. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. And walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. All good. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen repent and do the things you did at first if you do not repent i will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place you can read the rest of that yourself repentance is not just something we are to be preaching we are to practice at church and so my encouragement in this series of jeremiah we're going to have challenge this week challenge next week we'll couple that with blessing in the two weeks afterwards but we need to turn back We need to restore him as our first love. And I encourage you, hold me accountable on that. Hold each other accountable on that. Speak about it in home group. Talk about it in home group. And may our prayer be that we would grow in our love for him. We would return to him as a faithful people. If you're someone that has never had that relationship with Jesus and you want to experience and know his love for the first time, please do come and talk to us. Someone's here to pray with you as well. I'm going to pray for us and leave it there. Father, um, I just want to thank you that you're a God who deeply loves us, You're a God who even before each and every one of us was born, you were interested in. You decided now, such a time as this to bring us around. Lord, we simply want to say sorry for the times where we've taken our eyes off you and got focused on the outer stuff. When all that matters is you. You. So, refix through the power and the enabling of your Holy Spirit. Would you help us to refix our hearts, realign our hearts with you, refix our gaze on you, and return to you this year? That's our heart's cry, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.